I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. And that is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. All right, welcome to a crossover podcast with the Arena and Millennial Politics. This is Robbie Gupta, and we've got Nathan Rubin here, and we've got uh, Zellner Myrie, who's running for state senate here in New York City, another one of our candidates that we're supporting who's running against a member of the IDC. Zellner, uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. And Nathan, welcome back again. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, Zellner, uh, one thing that our mutual friend Mark Guma told me the other day is that one of your first memories was uh, being with your mom selling water bottles on the Eastern Parkway. Uh, take us there. What was that like? And uh, what does your memory uh, help you think about as you um, uh, embark on a campaign to help folks like yourself who are out there in the district who need representation? Sure. So, you know, for those of us uh, who are from Brooklyn, uh, who are, are from the city, really, uh, you're very familiar with the Labor Day Parade. Uh, this is this happens, you know, around Labor Day. And in Brooklyn, it's a big cultural affair. You got lots of people coming through Eastern Parkway. Um, and a lot of people go just to enjoy their time to celebrate their Caribbean heritage. Uh, my mom would go uh, to make some money and she was a single mom. And so she would go and she would sell water. She also sold uh, jewelry. Uh, and because, you know, I was her only son, I was right there with her um, sell, selling water and running around. Uh, trying to be an extra set of hands for her. Um, and it really reminds me of why I'm running. You know, we have a bunch of people in our district who are just like my mom, immigrants who came to this country seeking opportunities uh, to contribute to our community, uh, being entrepreneurial. Um, and really, you know, if you're from Brooklyn, we hustle, man. Um, and that is what, that is what our district is made up of. People, people that hustle. Um, and right now we don't have the representation, uh, for folks like that, right? We have immigrants who, uh, who, cannot focus on contributing to our society and contributing to our community because they're afraid they're going to get deported. Uh, they can't go to work. They can't go to school. They can't go to a hospital out of fear of deportation. And we've had a state Senate uh, that has done nothing to protect them. And so, um, you know, it is it reminds me every day of why I'm running for state Senate. And it, things went full circle for you and your mom. You wound up graduating from law school and uh, you wound up uh, representing your mom in tenant court. Tell us that story. Yeah, so, you know, it is the sad truth that Central Brooklyn is really the epicenter of the affordability crisis. And uh, what you see in housing court is really a lopsided affair on a daily basis. And so you have tenants who oftentimes go unrepresented um, against landlords who are 92% um, of the time represented by a lawyer. And so uh, when I went to housing court with my mom, my mom uh, lives in a rent-stabilized apartment. It is the apartment uh, that I was you know, raised in, in, in the district. And I have gone to housing court with her because the landlord has been trying to push her out. Um, and it made all the difference in the world for her to have standing by her side uh, you know, a person that went to law school. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is that most people don't have that. And, you know, I thought about as we were leaving that courtroom and seeing a bunch of the folks who were in similar situations, what are they doing and who's helping them out? This is really a symptom of the disease that is a bad housing laws that come out of the state Senate. Right? We have laws that were written by the real estate lobby, um, and that has a very real consequence for the folks in our district. And so in those laws are written by the real estate lobby, and uh, we'll get to the IDC and what that is, so you don't have to explain that yet, but your opponents, 
and his coalition, safe to say they have a pretty good relationship with uh, folks in the real estate industry. Uh, that's right. I think that they have had a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, you think about where people's campaign contributions come from um, and why people give to campaigns. We have had the good fortune of running a very grassroots operation. We've had almost 4,500 individual contributions. Uh, my opponent has had a total of 243 individual con individual contributions. Um, and a lot of his money has come from the real estate lobby. And you have to imagine the people that are giving to our campaign believe in our ideas. They believe in what we're going to get accomplished when we get to the state Senate. Why would someone from the real estate lobby contribute to, um, uh, uh, to an individual? It's because they believe that they will support their ideas and their interests, right? And so it is hard for you to come before our community and say, I'm representing tenants when your single biggest contributor is the real estate lobby. Yeah. And so, uh, I mentioned those two anecdotes on the front end, um, about your mom selling water and then you defending your tenant court because, I've been following uh, Senator Hamilton's rhetoric uh, and the rhetoric of some of his supporters uh, online, and it seems to me that they're trying to paint you for something that you're not, that because you went to law school and you were successful, that somehow you are not of the district, you are not of Brooklyn, and that you're not gritty enough for this seat. What do you say to that charge? Yeah, so here is what the, the penalty of success um, is in this type of politics. You tell our children... We believe in you. We want you to go to school. We want you to get a good education. We want you to go off and be successful. And then when our children do that and come back and try to give back to our community, you tell them, actually, you're too successful. You're actually not from the neighborhood. You're not black enough. Right. This is this is the same movie that we've seen before. It's the same type of old politics. And quite frankly, I am disgusted by it because it is the same type of politics that we see coming out of the White House. Right? It is a politics of division. It is a politics of pitting communities against each other. And it is a politics of telling our children one thing and doing another. Right. And so I, I have never been insecure about whether or not I'm from the district. It's very, you know, that's that's a fact. You can verify that. Um, what has bothered me is the environment that this creates and the example that it sets for the children in this district who see someone who's been successful and then see them attacked for that success. Take us back to your decision to run. You know, you could have uh, had a much more lucrative career uh, working in, in big law, mm -hmm. uh, and you could have uh, avoided uh, being attacked and having your character attacked, having your family attacked, and having to hustle out there to raise money and talk to every voter you can, but you decided on a different path. Why? The time is now. I think that we have seen more than ever uh, that elections have consequences. Uh, and we are at an inflection point um, in this state, but particularly in my district in central Brooklyn. You know, we started off this um, this conversation with housing and me being in housing court, and it really is the motivating factor for me. I would not be who I am today without a rent-regulated apartment. Um, and we have many, we have, you know, some of the highest concentrations of rent-stabilized apartments in the entire city in central Brooklyn. That is coupled with some of the highest rates of eviction in the entire city. Um, and that is not a coincidence. And I think that we, the, the, the New York State Senate is uniquely positioned to have an effect on that. People oftentimes ask me, well, why now? You're young, um, you've had these other opportunities. How old why are you? Are you? So I'm 31. 
Uh, and people say, you know, you look like, even sometimes I knock on doors and before people read uh, my material, they say, man, you look young. How old are you? Right? <laughs> um, so pe- people ask why now? And we have um, the renewal of our housing laws next June, something, something called the Emergency Tenant Protection Act. A lot of the laws that incentivize landlords to kick our people out, they're contained in the ETPA, um, and that is set to expire in June of 2019. So we have a legislative session that we're about to go into that is going to have a generational impact on housing. Um, and that's why I decided that the time was now to step up and take the Republican leadership out of the state Senate. You know, we have a chair of the housing committee in the state Senate that is a Republican from Lake Placid which is closer to Canada than it is to New York City. Um, and she gets to make the housing decisions for people in Crown Heights and Brownsville. This is absurd. There's no way that this makes sense. Uh, but the only reason that that has been able to um, come to fruition is because of Republican control. And so um, to me, it is, it, is a, it, is a, it is a time thing. It is urgency. Uh, and we got to do it now because we're about to lose another generation of folks in my district. So if I could jump in there and ask and just sort of clarify for our listeners, a fascinating piece of the New York State Senate, there is that Republican chair of the Housing Committee, but you're running against a Democrat. So can you explain to the folks listening how that works and in the unique situation that is the New York State Senate? Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the most important votes that you take as a state senator is for who will lead the chamber, right? That is, um, that decides who gets to chair the committees um, and whoever chairs the committees decides what bills come up for vote and what bills come up for discussion. In the New York State Senate, there were elected Democrats who said that we're not going to vote for a Democratic majority leader, one that would bring up progressive bills and have those open for discussion. But we are instead going to support the Republican chair right, of the state Senate and allow them to decide what bills will come to the floor. Right? And so the, in exchange for this support, right, in exchange for caucusing together as, as rogue Democrats, uh, these Democrats got bigger offices, they got higher salaries, and they got some of those very chairmanships. And so what our role is, um, is to communicate to the community what they got when they elected this person, right? We have people that really do believe that they elected a Democrat that was going to go up to Albany and fight for Democratic values. And instead, we elected Democrats who went up and looked out for themselves and supported Republican leadership instead. Yeah, so it's like the equivalent of if we sent somebody to Congress uh, who represented themselves as a Democrat but voted for Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House or Mitch McConnell as the majority leader. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, part of the, the, these, the, these so-called Democrats, their response to this has been, um, well, this was about securing things for our community. Uh, this was, uh, you know, there, there were some other good things that we were able to do. And, you know, my response to that is that if you are such a strong believer in this, um, and, and a proponent uh, that the IDC was something good, then you should have ran as a member of the Independent Democratic Conference, right? right. Um, if you were so confident in that. But you didn't because you knew that the community would not stand for it. And in fact, my opponent, who um, when people asked him point blank, will you join the IDC, told the community no, that he would not. And he only joined after his primary um, and uh, the day before Donald Trump was elected. And I think that is really what's so disgraceful about this choice. And I imagine he, he resigned after Donald Trump was elected because he was shocked into, <laughs> uh, he was shocked into a state of morality, right? right, right. After, is that when he switched? Right, right, right. That's, that's yeah, it. Yeah. No, he didn't. Did no, he, he did no, not. No, 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 he did not. No, uh, he did not. 
Um, and so, uh, in talking about your opponent, uh, we've recently uh, enjoyed watching a little bit of back and forth with somebody who uh, had the courage to endorse you, a local assemblywoman. And she was attacked by an organization. What was it called? Woke Brooklyn. Woke Brooklyn. You know, and I was I was born in Sunset Park, and right. so I'm a little offended by some of these groups right. that uh, that are trying to use uh, the rhetoric right. of the resistance mm-hmm. um, and re- rhetoric of uh, communities of color. We don't know who created this group. At least as the last time we checked, mm-hmm. we, we looked into it. Um, what did this group say? What did they do? And uh, how did uh, our uh, local assemblywoman uh, react? What yeah. was her response? Yeah, and so um, uh, this email went out from the so-called Woke Brooklyn group, excuse me, and what we actually found out um, through very cursory search um, uh, was that the Woke Brooklyn domain name uh, was registered by my opponent, right? Uh, and like explicitly registered. Explicitly, explicitly oh, wow. um, uh, registered by my opponent. Um the email purported that uh, Assemblymember Richardson had turned her back on the black community um, and had not been supportive um, of certain initiatives. And the Assemblymember, um, let me just first say, she I live in her district. I grew up in her district. Um, she has uh, supported us and endorsed us. Um, and anyone that knows the Assemblymember knows that she works extremely hard for the community. Um, and she has stuck her neck out, um, even when it has been politically unpopular to do so. And so the notion that she would be someone that has sold out the community was ridiculous on its face. Um, and the reaction was um, as such. People said, this is this is absurd. And this is why people don't get involved in politics. And she she responded, I think, um, uh, uh, very forcefully and saying, like, look, this is let me explain to you, the community, why this is happening. Um, and here's. You know, my position on this has been you have the audacity to attack an assembly member that's not even your opponent. This is not someone that you're running against. Um, you have attacked her because she has expressed support uh, for me. And I really think it shows the strength of the black women in the district. Um, uh, and it really speaks to the point that when we had the opportunity to elect a black woman majority leader, my opponent also chose not to support her. Um, and I think that we can't afford to do that, especially um, in, in today's atmosphere. So I am very, very grateful to have Assemblymember Richardson's support. We will be out in force in the district. Um, and the, the her Assembly district also happens to be the largest portion of the Senate district. And so um, having her support is going to be very important uh, for us. So thinking about that attack from your opponent trying to use this unknown group to to perhaps slander you a little bit there. Um, that's not atypical in New York state politics. Um, Albany is known as being an intensely corrupt place that um, if you get on the wrong side of somebody, they're going to come after you. So can you talk a little bit about what you would do to clean up the culture of Albany if elected? Yeah. So, you know, what the interesting thing about stepping up and being a candidate um, is you have a lot of preliminary conversations, right? It's a big deal to put yourself out there um, as someone that's wanting to serve in this capacity. One of the conversations that I had prior to one of the earliest ones was like, look, this is going to get nasty. Uh, and you have to prepare yourself, not just you, but also your family, um, uh, because people don't let go of power easily. Um, and so before this even started, I had resolved that this is not personal, right? Uh, these attacks would be coming uh, uh, if, if it were anyone else. 
who were who was threatening their power. Um, part of what I'm encouraged about is that we have remained um, uh, focused on the issues, and the wave that you are seeing across the country um, will be coming right through Central Brooklyn as well. And when we get in, we will have a progressive mandate. Um, I think that is going to allow us uh, to operate very differently than what it is in the past. I don't think um, we will. It would. It will be typical, right? We're going to have a bunch of people that, who've gotten who've gotten in not because someone appointed them, not because they, um, you know, were a staffer for someone. These are people that said we're going to stand up, particularly in the age of Donald Trump, and say enough is enough. So with those wins to our back. Um, I think we're going to have an opportunity to address some of the corruption in Albany. You know, we, um, to get a bit wonky, right, we have our corruption laws are really a joke. Um, and it's why uh, federal prosecutors spend a lot of time trying to clean up Albany when really we should have stronger state laws that will prevent that behavior to begin with, right? But there has been no um, uh, real effort uh, around that uh, because you're asking uh, the legislators to police themselves, right? And so I think that um, part of what is encouraging about coming in with some new fresh faces is that we're not going to be beholden to some of those same interests. And I just want to touch on one point that you mentioned. If elected, you will come in with a progressive mandate, as you called it. Can you touch on three or four of your main priorities and issues that you would champion if elected? Sure. And so, you know, I, as I discussed earlier, housing and the Emergency Tenant Protection Act, that is something that I look forward to advocating very strongly on. Um, I also think there are some pockets of our criminal justice system um, that, that have not been addressed, right? We There are things that, that, that everyone, I think there is general consensus around reforming our bail system, around speedy trial um, uh, reform and, and our discovery laws and things that help people that get caught up in the system. Um, I'd like to kind of shift um, our focus to accountability on police misconduct. Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that has fallen through the cracks. Um, and I think that we have people in our community that have been abused, people that have been killed, uh, and there has not been the right amount of accountability for that. Right? And this is not an attack on the many, 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 many uh, good police officers that we have that do their job on a daily basis. Uh, but we have laws on the books that protect police misconduct. Um, and I think until we start having accountability on that front, uh, um, we're, we're going to continue to see some of these abuses. I also think that we have the opportunity to pass very common sense immigration protection um, in the state Senate, right? We have, um, as you know, daily attacks from the federal government um, on our, our friends and neighbors. And I think that passing things like the Liberty Act, passing things like the DREAM Act, providing driver licenses um, uh, for, for everyone, regardless of their citizenship status, those are simple things that have demonstrated support in the assembly year and 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 year again, but which go to the state Senate to die. And so I think that the energy that we have coming in in this progressive way will allow us to kind of push these issues to the fore. Awesome. This is your first campaign. Tell us, you know, a lot of people in our community are either running for the first time or considering running very soon. What's been more challenging than you expected and what are... Uh, some of the more rewarding moments that have surprised you uh, along this journey. Yeah, no. Uh, so the, you don't have a full appreciation uh, for how important money is um, until you run, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you, you always think, well, this is going to be a battle of the ideas um, and who works harder. And, and I think to some extent that that holds true. Uh, but raising money um, is very challenging. And, you know, it's it's weird to call up friends that you haven't spoken to in years and say, hey, I'm running for state senate. I need you to contribute X amount or Y amount. Uh, but as you go along, the reason you know that I can 
I'm, I'm still not entirely comfortable, but the reason why I get more comfortable is because you know that you can't be successful and you can't get your message out without having the resources to do so. Um, and so that's the that's the the, the the thing that I think that has been challenging, but where we found some success um, um, given the, the support that we've received. I think the most rewarding uh, thing is really when I knock on a door um, and someone starts talking to me uh, about the issues in the community, right? The look that I see in people's eyes, and they say, what are you gonna do about X? And what are you gonna do about Y? I don't know how I'm gonna pay my rent next month, right? I don't know how is it that the laws favor landlords so much, right? Why is it that my school auditorium um, for my child has not been fixed in 10 years? And being able to say, we can actually do something about this in the state setting. Um, that to me is really an awesome responsibility. And I don't mean awesome in like, Awesome, bro. But like, <laughs> like as an awe-inspiring, uh, mm-hmm. because we, uh, right? Because we have, um, we have a duty uh, to help these people that 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 are struggling. And so, um, on the days where I don't want to make phone calls to raise money, um, I remember the folks that I meet on the doors who say, "I need you to help me with these housing issues." Um, and seeing those two things merge, and that we got to do this in order to get that done, um, has been very rewarding for me. So we just talked to Alessandra Biaggi who. Uh, is also running against a member of the IDC, actually the head, uh, former head of the IDC. And she talked about uh, this fundraising arrangement that the State Board of Elections and the State Supreme Court ruled illegal, where the IDC was uh, funneling corporate money mm-hmm. uh, to their candidates, including Senator Hamilton, uh, in, in a, an illegal scheme. And that has the IDC continues to use even after it's been ruled illegal. And we're pushing the regulator to uh, actually uh, bring an appropriate remedy to bear here. Uh, so assuming folks heard that already and understand that issue, and if they don't, they, there's plenty of uh, stories out in Albany Times Union in particular about it. Um, you have an opponent who has some issues beyond that. So your mm-hmm. opponent has faced other ethics charges related to uh, use of nonprofit resources. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, Cranes reported um, a couple months ago uh, that my opponent was um, illegally using a, uh, a housing that was meant for for um, uh, affordable housing, essentially, uh, was using it for political purposes. Uh, then recently, uh, a good government group wrote a letter to the attorney general saying that this should be investigated. Um, and, you know, I, I will say that I have great, great respect uh, for Citizens Union and for the work that they do. I have very, very um, high regard for the Attorney General's office, and I think that um, if all of this is true, they will take the appropriate action. Um, but I think you know what this really points to is why people are so disgusted with the political process, right? Um, because um, the what is what was meant to be affordable housing, right, um, has allegedly been used um, for politics, and it really, to me, is a is a is a, is a good analogy on why we don't have um, the affordable housing that we need in the district. Because instead of focusing on getting good laws on the books um, and trying to patch up um, the, the, the broken framework of housing in our district, um, we have instead focused on politics and we have um, had folks, in, in, including my opponent, who received tens of thousands of dollars from the real estate industry, um, a real estate industry that has no interest in helping um, increase the stock of affordable housing. 
So you just mentioned again that your opponent has received tens of thousands of dollars from the real estate industry. You mentioned earlier that you are running a grassroots insurgent campaign. Can you talk a little bit about some endorsements that you've received mm -hmm. and how that has impacted the way that you're able to run this race? Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, <clears throat> you know, first, um, you know, and I didn't mention this earlier, we're not taking any money from the real estate uh, lobby. So just to be clear. Um, and so that contrast. Uh, when we're on the doors and we're talking to people, I think it's very meaningful uh, because people feel that they can, um, that they'll have someone that's going to represent them with clean hands on this issue. Uh, we have received um, scores of endorsements from many activists and political clubs that have an interest uh, in um, seeing progressive legislation move forward. So whether that has been the Working Families Party, uh, whether that has been uh, the Progressive Association for Political Action down in the district, um, whether that has been uh, you know the New Kings Democrats, uh, we have had uh, uh, just a score of support uh, from folks um, who are on the ground and doing the work, right? I think that we um, just last week got the endorsements of four assembly members um, who make up a big chunk of the district. Uh, and that is unprecedented uh, to see local elected officials. Just today, we had three council members endorse us, um, two of which have a big portion of the district. This support that is a combination of grassroots, political clubs, and elected officials really sends a message to the community um, that we're in different times, that business as usual ain't usual anymore, um, and people have reached the breaking point. Uh, and it has allowed us um, you know, in the beginning, before we had any endorsements, um, we believe that if we spoke to enough voters, that the message would resonate. And what we have found um, is that the message ha hasn't only resonated with the voters, but it has resonated with all of these grassroots organizations and some of the elected officials. And then they are able to provide volunteers for you and you're able to knock on more doors and make more calls and really scale up that campaign. That's exactly right. You know, we have, um, as you guys know, the the you need a requisite amount of signatures to get on the ballot for the state Senate. That happens to be 1000 signatures. We were able to come in with four times that amount. I um, mean, it's exactly because of what you're saying, because we have had grassroots support. It has been volunteer, right? We didn't have to pay a firm to get signatures for us. Um, and that's was, what a lot of candidates have to do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so we um, were in a very good position uh, to rely on the energy and efforts of our volunteers. And I think that what that shows um, is that that is exactly how we're going to be running our field operation. That's exactly how we're going to be talking to voters. Um, and on September 13th, um, you know, we're, we're going to see what the result of that is. Awesome. So uh, we've got folks who are listening to this podcast uh, who uh, want to help your campaign. Um, what can those folks do to, to, to jump in, um, both inside of the city uh, and in district, but then also folks who might be listening from California or from Tennessee? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, um, as we were talking about earlier, because my opponent um, has uh, taken large sums of money um, from some from these accounts that you've mentioned and from different um, special interests, we rely on grassroots donors, right? And so for the folks who cannot make it um, into the state, uh, we would love for you to contribute to our campaign. Um, those dollars go towards getting people to knock on doors. It goes towards um, us making more phone calls, us sending out mailings, us getting our message out. Um, and so we'd love to have that. We also... Um, would love to have folks help write postcards, right? I think that that is a very effective way to help us out if you're not in state, right? Um, you can contact the campaign. 
um, and we can give you some addresses and you can how, reach out. How do folks contact you? Yeah, so um, our website uh, it is Z, the number four ny.com, all right, Z4NY. Uh, and so you can sign up there, you can reach us directly. Um, we have a bunch of prompts for you um, if you want to help out in the campaign in that way. Um, it's also where you can contribute. Um, and yeah, so we'll send you some addresses and, and then you can send some postcards on why people should support us. If you are in state and you're able to, to make it down to our office, we have people in the office making phone calls every day. We have people going out to Canvas every day uh, and every single call and door knock matters. And so if you can come down and give us an hour or two, don't feel like that's not gonna make a difference. This is gonna be a close election. I um, mean, every point of contact with the voter um, is, is paramount. And so please, please do come by, help us out. It's a fun place to be. Uh, we got a lot of young folks in there. Um, uh, as, as some of you guys may know, I'm a big like hip hop fan, right? So you may, you may hear some music bumping when, when you're there as well. <laughs> Uh, but we'd love some folks uh, to, to come down and, and join the efforts at the office. Well, Zellner, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me.